Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Center for Christian Music Studies at Baylor University. This podcast was recorded at the 2010 Alleluia Conference. In this session entitled, This Is My Story, This Is My Song, Tim Studstill discusses ministers of music who have given a lifetime to music ministry. This session will help the bivocational and smaller church music minister develop a plan for longevity in ministry. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia. Church, are you at? Um, First Amendment in Winrose. Okay. Winrose, that's a new place. Mm-hmm. It's a new place. Small town. Yeah, no. Beautiful area in the springtime. Mm-hmm. Summertime is different, but. Yes. <laughs> but beautiful. I love it in the springtime there. It's great. Just going through there. Okay. What about you? I'm Becky Jackson, and um, I've been in music forever. But I grew up Baptist, and so not until about four years ago decided I really want to be a music minister. So uh-huh. I went back and got a music degree, and working on a Master's of Divinity now. Where is Serving at Western United Methodist Church in Pittsburgh. Okay. I attended sure. South Texas School of Christian Studies, which um, has full degree granting status through Logston Seminary. Okay. okay. Um, so the Methodists will have me. Some Baptists will. That. Some Baptists will. Yes, and I, I would very much like to be a Baptist music minister. I'm thoroughly Baptist. I have been one of the Baptist pastors 23 years now in our country. Oh, okay. Um, um, make sure you get my card and uh, keep me posted because sometimes okay. I hear about you know, openings. That, That'd be great. So. Um, so the music degree I got, there was no... Uh, music aspect to it. I finally got an independent course, and so I had two hours credit in church music. So I really feel like I'm behind the game on uh, choral conducting as far as church music goes. I've got the contemporary thing down, but I love hymns and our tradition, too, and so and I would, I just want information on how to help a really small choir of mostly senior adults mm-hmm. feel successful. Okay. I don't want to yeah. give them things that, you know, just don't work. Okay. Um, but they're coming along. They're, they're doing well, and I love them. Mm-hmm. They love me, definitely. That's nice. I know that won't always be true. Yeah. <laughs> when you work with predominantly senior adults, though, that... You know, a little bit of love, a little bit of preparation goes a long mm-hmm. way. And You know, one other thing, though, is I'm going to start working with uh, K all the way through 12, just once a month, once because a month. they have nothing. 
I would do more than that, but I'm a part-time minister and I'm a full-time student. And so I've started, I'm starting something in August called Second Sunday Saints, where they're going to give me the kids during the Bible study hour. And we work something up for the weekend. Okay. There's some resources that I need to show you about that. Okay. And it might be a possibility. I'll turn the computer off. And uh, if it's all in line, I don't have it in the handout. And so, Clint, are you here just because you have to be, or you want to hear, or you want to tell us a little bit about what you're doing, sure. where you're at? I'm Clint Kimmel, and I'm a junior church music student at Baylor, and still halfway done. Yeah, two yeah, years yeah, down, yeah. two to go, yeah. yeah. So, and I'm working the conference. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't even actually have to stay in here, but he just needed his doing that. So that's great. Well, uh, some of the things that we're going to be talking about in here in this session. I think will be covered. There's some things as far as some of the, the choral techniques that in, uh, in the um, Oh for a Dozen Tons to Sing class, which is offered sometimes, that actually have a whole section in there about working with mature voices. And so I'll save that for that class. And I tried to do for that handout, it's like a six page handout. I tried to do it in the outline form. So if we did, yeah, you were in that class yeah. for choice. So I tried to design it so that if we didn't have time to talk about all of it, it would at least have the information that would jog some thought processes there, so that's going to be covered. That's this afternoon, so. right? I think, yeah, I think so. I, I still have my schedule there. So so that actually we're going to be covered, and there's some children's part resources that I think would help you out with what you're, with what you're wanting to do, particularly with that kind of a time frame and all uh, that could really be of assistance to you. Hey, let me log into this. While you're logging into that, uh -huh. um, I am always having people come ask me, Younger and younger kids can come in as well. Mm -hmm. And I really don't want this recorded, but I just allowed 11 year olds in class. My oldest member is 90. And cool. She started singing in the choir when she was 12. Mm -hmm. So we're going to kind of make a big deal of this. Generational. Yes. Come August. I think, I mean, if you were saying three years old, I'd go, <laughs> I just don't want <laughs> you know? to hurt their voices. I know yeah. there's. You know, there's a range they can do. And yeah, you're probably what y'all are doing. It's not gonna be. It's probably gonna be better than most of the stuff a lot of the children's part stuff is doing right now. Uh, to be quite honest, if if they have a desire and if they're wanting to be there, um, I don't think that's too early. Um, I'm trying to think of. I started singing in an adult choir. Of course, my dad was the minister of music, and um, he needed alto. And I think I started singing in the adult choir in seventh grade. Okay. And uh, that. I've got someone asking about a 10 year old, and I, I, I'm not doing that. And the 11 year old is almost 12. Yeah. You know. I think that's a good, because you need to have, give them something to look forward to, and then that could be a good motivation for getting them into the children's choir mm -hmm. to, to developing something of that, even if you want to call it something besides children's choir. So it's not, you know, sometimes it can be demoralizing to call a choir you know, four people or something, right. you know. So an ensemble or a, use another term with that. But, you know, if a student's working with that and if you can be real aware of the, if it's a smaller choir, you really shouldn't be doing, you know, heavy choral stuff with really, really lots of high stuff and lots of loud, you know, I mean, there's mm -hmm. there's certain things, we'll talk about that some in the, the uh, Oral, the Oprah doesn't touch the thing okay. too. But there's some of that. 
of being aware of that, but the main thing is keeping them involved and get them involved. In, if they were, if they're wanting to be involved, and that's what the dynamics of a smaller church that you have some flexibility that you don't necessarily have in a larger church. Mm -hmm. And there's some aspects of that that's really good. There's some things in a smaller church that you have a lot more freedom and a lot more flexibility that you can move and work and change that you can't do in a larger church just because of the structure. You know, it's just like, you know, an institution like this, a Baylor, there's certain things that you can't, you have to do it a certain way because there's so many layers mm -hmm. of things like when you get the room, you know, room reservation, you've got to get it because there's so many events happening at that same time. You can't just pop in and say, oh, I need to use that room over there. Right. Well, right. you know, the air conditioning may not be on or whatever. So, but at a smaller university, you can do that. And it's the same thing with the church, you know, so it's the, um, you know, there's a lot of layers. Well, let's get into that. Let me start off with the word, with the word prayer as we continue on this morning. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for an opportunity to begin each, each day new and fresh with you. Thank you for the way that uh, life begins over. Thank you for the way that you allow new starts. And uh, thank you for loving us fresh each day and giving us an opportunity to begin new with you. Lord, I thank you for this time that we have now. I pray that you'll let us have some good discussion and, and talk about the needs that we have. Father, thank you for calling us. Thank you for planting a song in our hearts. And thank you for allowing us to minister to your people and serve you for the gift that you've given to us. Lord, we love you. The title I chose for this session, of course, came from Fanny Crosby, uh, the hymn, you know, this is my story, this is my song, and particularly the part, uh, praising my Savior all the day long. And I think one of the things you mentioned, Lori, about uh, staying motivated, I think the knowing that there's a call in your life to do what you're called, do what you're doing. I think it's one of the greatest motivators because there's frustrations that come to us on every hand, particularly in the smaller situation. There's frustrations in a larger situation, but they're some of them are the same. They're just they're just bigger. But in a smaller situation, you never have the people you have. You don't have the resources. You know where you want to be, where you'd like to be, but yet sometimes you just can't get there. Sometimes the people don't have the same vision that you have. You, there's just so many things that get so frustrating. But when you know that God's called you to be there, then that changes your whole perspective. And so I spent a lot of time in the outline about call. And I love words. And I love to love to read and love words and love to sort of see what they are. And I found some very interesting things. I love dictionary.com. And uh, I don't know what we did before the internet and how we did. I talked about you the other day. I said, I'm so glad I got through my majority of all of my school before they invented uh, the internet, you know, because I don't think I could have gotten out with that. But um, I, I checked up call on dictionary.com, and number 11, uh, definition number 11, uh, said it's a verb to be used with an object, and the definition of number 11 says to summon by or as if divine command. He felt a call to ministry. So I thought that was very interesting mm -hmm. that in that definition, it's that divine command of feeling a call to minister. I thought that was very interesting. Of course, you had to get down 11, you know, get through all the top 10 yeah. to get there. But that was actually in one of the definitions 
Then I went to the synonyms. You see some of the synonyms there, and I thought if you keep that perspective of God's call, some of the synonyms for call is reason, and it's a basis or cause for a belief, action, fact, or event. There's sometimes that we can say, this is my call, and I know when it came, and I know when God talked to me and said, this is when I, you know, I want you to be involved in this. For me, I know approximately when I felt God speaking to me and said, I want, you know, I'm going to be involved in what I hear in a voice. It was just, this is what I'm going to be doing. And it was in a children's choir, um, mass children's choir group at Glory Avenue, New Mexico at First Music Week when I was about probably sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. And the people that were, the couple that were directing that, uh, Pete and Joanne Butler, became, you know, mentors and have been, become friends through the years. And I've had a chance to, you know, share with them just the impact because they had so much fun working with these children. Now, my dad's a minister of music. You know, he was my first music teacher and all that, but you don't always have the same perspective of what your parents do, you know. But for me, I know that that point in my life was when I felt that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Now, I fought it, you know, for several years off and on. But it may not be a specific point. It may just be a growing into that you've had a chance to do it for a few times, you filled in, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. you're the only one that's had the skills or so you get to fill in and it's like, this is really, I really enjoy this. So, but it's that reason or the belief that this is here to reprove. I thought that was a very interesting word. Reprove means to prove again. I hate it when they define a word with a word, but to prove again means you get to do it. And the more you do it, it's like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I can do this. Uh, this is good. Allure. I thought it was a very interesting word. To attract or tempt by something flattering or desirable, to fascinate or charm. There's a certain fascination about doing you know, music, to doing what God's called us to do, because it's it's that pull that keeps us coming back to it. But how can we do it? How can I do this better? How can I find new ways to do it? But I think it's that, that allure, that fascination of, of wanting to be involved with what God's called us to be about. So I think that's another thing that plays into the call. And then to think. Uh, we don't need to enter into any type of ministry without thinking about it. And, um, it, you know, you can see the definition I have there. Like a conscious mind, reasoning, uh, making rational decisions, you know, counting the cost. <coughs> we need to know uh, it's going to take preparation. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take a lot of time. Um, evaluate the circumstances. Uh, think carefully before you begin. Um, but... And I love the last line, we could think of nothing else. We could think of nothing else. It's a call. So those are some of the words as far as just a straight definition of call. But then there's God's call. I mean, all of us are called to salvation. That that's God's call to all. And I put some scriptures there that you could look up later. I think we're all called to salvation. Then all of us are called to service. That we're called to serve him and be involved in kingdom work. But then there are some that are called to a different level type of service, of vocational ministry. And um, there's instances in the Bible where we read about Paul as a tent maker, where he's actually supporting himself through his skills so that the churches did not have to do that. But he was actually, had a career, had an occupation so that he could work in the church. And um, I think that sets a good precedent, you know, the churches, we're also been told the churches are responsible to pay for and support their ministers. I mean, we see that through the priests and all 
the, the Levites and you know, all the way through. But, um, and I also put, uh, I also put it in, in retirement because I started seeing this thing come up and I mainly put it in just to, just to be aware of this. Uh, I've been reading about it in some blogs and some uh, other information. There's a verse in Numbers, and I put it down there, Numbers 8, that says that the priests were to retire from their duties at age 50. They were to start serving at 25 and retire at 50. And so I've been reading about some things where they're starting to say that music ministers should retire at 50 because that was biblical. But if you read on from what I'm reading in there, they retired from their temple or synagogue service at 50, but then they continued in other areas. So it was a it was a transferal of responsibilities. They had like a 25-year period that they did this part of ministry, but then they moved into another part of ministry while some others, it was like a mentoring or training. And I want to do some more study of that, but as I was preparing for um, this aspect of for this class, this kept coming up, and, and it was people saying that the music minister needs to retire at 50. Well, I don't see, didn't see them talking about pastors retiring at 50 or anybody else retiring at 50. So I just want to start, I'm going to start, I thought I'm going to start just sort of throwing that out, but I think there's never a time that I read that we're called to retire from God's service, that, you know, as long as we have breath, there's a, a song that came out in Anthem several years ago, so as long as I have breath, I will serve you, Lord. As long as life is mine, I will praise your name. And I think that's what God's called us to do. So there's periods of our life that God's called us to different types of service, but we need to be available. Um, and then I put down here, uh, if you have a road to Damascus experience, you know, Paul had the big experience with the blinded and all this, but he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is what he was to be called to do. Few of us have that kind of experience to know this is where we're at. And sometimes people will go, you know, oh God, you know, if you get me through this cancer, I'll serve you. I'll become a minister. I'll, you know, go be a missionary or wherever. That may or may not be God's purpose in your life, but that's that may or may not be a call. That may or may not that just may be a situation of God working through your life. But it may or may not be a call. And put it here lastly, it's not your mother's call. And you know, so many of us have dealt with, you know, you're so you want to make your mother proud of you and mm -hmm. to be a minister is, you know, what your mother thought would be the highest calling. And all of these things here, the road to Damascus, you know, the God, if you get me through this, I'll serve you forever. My mother, those can be helpful. You can be doing some good things. But ultimately, when it comes down to what we're doing in ministry and how we're doing it in the long call, if the call is not from God, then we're not doing, we're not serving where we're supposed to serve or how we're supposed to serve. And so that's not going to sustain us through the difficult times when we do have that lack of motivation when we get frustrated with all that. So I think that is what's crucial to know, understand that God's called you to do what you're doing. And if it's through the church, that's great. It may be that I think there's a lot of people that have been called to be musicians, but not necessarily in the church. And, um, but anyway, that's, I think that's very crucial. To preparation, and I'm just going to skim through some of these over here. It's very important for our spiritual foundation that we have time with God have a Christ-like character, to have spiritual disciplines, to, to be like Christ. And if we're leading people and if we're in positions of leadership, there's certain expectations we have in our life that, that we need to be spiritually learning, uh, which moves us to the next level, the, the L, a triple L, 
a lifelong learner. And, uh, and obviously y'all are on that way because you're here <laughs> and uh, you're, you're thinking and you're, you're looking. Um, you know, we need to continually learn musically, theologically, and technically. Um, you know, our musical skills, we've refined and we have to refine in all of our lives. And it's like anything, if you don't use it, you lose it. So you've got to keep the skills up. Uh, theology, you can never learn enough. Never learn enough. And so we've got to be in the Word. We've got to be looking for, you know, why do we do what we do? You know, what is worship? How is worship? Worship is, the way we worship is transitioning so much right now that we've got to have a sturdy foundation biblically to understand, you know, where we're coming from and what we're doing. Not only, and that's separate from our personal study, which mentioned a while ago, just the spiritual foundation of just how God's dealing in our lives. And then technically, you know, today's world is, you know, we're, you know, we're changing, you know, that, you know, little digital doohickey right in the middle of the room on a little stand, you know, that before, you know, several years ago, we'd have to have wires everywhere and, you know, all this stuff. I remember my first church, we would do children's musicals with a reel-to-reel. Did you, did you ever, have you ever seen one of those? <laughs> in, a, in a back closet somewhere. In a back closet somewhere, in a, in a dictionary, in a history book, you know, you know reel-to-reel, and we came up with the idea of splicing in leader tape so that we would know where to stop so he could cue us up, you know, and we were just, we thought we were being really high-tech to put you know, 10 seconds of leader tape in between each song and pray that it didn't, the tape didn't come apart or, you know, splicing tape. And, but technology has changed so much that it can be your friend or it can be your worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's just some things here that, you know, communication sound blinding and janitoring that a lot of times, especially in a small situation, you get stuck with doing everything. Mm-hmm. And um, there's just those things where we have to learn how to do what we need to do. Relationships, and I'm going to get... Uh, very important. Family, when you're taking on extra responsibilities, particularly when you have another job and you're taking on a church job and you've got that family, is so crucial. And your family needs to be on board with what you're doing with the church too. And if they're not, you can do a good job, but you're not going to be able to do your best job because you're you're neglecting the people that you should be ministering to the, first, the, the most. And so that's, I think that is crucial. Uh, relationships with the other staff member, whether it's just a pastor or whether it's a couple other, you know, part-time or volunteer people on staff, volunteer staff or paid staff. Uh, the church members and then the community. It's important that we be a part of our community and that we be involved and have good relationships in the community. Uh, the priorities there, uh, spiritual, physical, uh, taking care of ourselves physically, uh, taking care of our family, build trust and respect. This is where we're starting to get into some of the other, really, the others are foundational, and of course, obviously, spiritual is one of the most foundational. But to have to stay a long time in ministry, and a lot of what I've put down here has come from conversations that I've had over the past several years. I've been with the convention now for about 14 years. Um, as I told one of the other classes, I'm a third-generation church musician. My grandmother was an organist. My dad's a minister of music, and... He's 76, he's still serving in a small church and in Florida, and uh, he still gets really frustrated, and he's still talking about re- retiring again. But, um, so, and then, so I've grown up through that, and I've served churches in various different sizes and all that, you know, all over the United States. But 
through the conversations that I've had, been a part of with ministers, full-time, part-time, uh, former ministers, and all that through the years, a lot of the rest of this has come from conversations with them. Um, build trust and respect, and that goes two ways. And you can get a lot done when you respect someone and when they respect you. Um, shared ministry is a team ministry. And a lot of times it used to be that the person that was doing the music was the only one doing it. They would pick out the music, they would lead it, they would do this. And that's sort of shifting. And when you're in a smaller situation, sometimes you don't have anybody else to help you with that. But there are still people that will help sometimes if they can. And finding ways to share that ministry to include them gives them an ownership with a small O, not ownership with a large O, which means they want to have total control or in a bad way. So it gives them ownership, it involves them, it allows them to use their skills and use their giftedness. And it can take some pressure off of you. It adds some other challenges because you do have to oversee, you have to manage some things and, and, and um, do some aspects of that. But the shared ministry uh, is good. I said, you know, find a, a home and a funeral plot. In other words, you know, go with the idea that you're going to stay. Because a lot of times people go and say, well, I'll go here for stay for a while. If that didn't work out, then I'll go someplace else. Uh, I talked to a person recently that is serving in a, um, actually in a Methodist church right now. And it's like they're paying really, really good. And their car's doing good. They're you know, down for the summer. And, they, you know, they don't, you know, there's problems here and problems here. And then, but, you know, if I found something better that paid better that was a little bit closer to home, you know, I'd take that. You know, so that, I think that kind of a concept or mindset is just more this is what I'm doing because this is my job and this is this is how I'm doing here. Something better comes along, I'm out of here. So I think that mindset of this is where God's called me to be and I'm going to plan to stay here for the long term. You may or may not. You know, my dream was always to go to a church and stay and I wanted to find a David and Jonathan or a you know a situation that it was one of those that I could work with a pastor and stay forever. And that's never that's never happened. You know, that was my that was you know always my dream but um, you know that that never happened to me but I think finding a assuming that you're going to be there and settling in for the long haul can do so much for it because if you always think you're going to be leaving there's that you're always looking for a way out uh, avoid the revolving door ministry mentality of just that you know ministers coming up in small churches particularly have this particularly in youth youth ministry uh, suffer so much from this where the kids will you know, build up trust in somebody and then a year and a half later, they're gone. They're gone. They're gone. And uh, that's very, very difficult. So uh, I think that is you know, feeling like you're, you're setting your priorities, that you're there, you're going to stay. Uh, God's grace. I love the, the section last night that we did in the hymn sing about you know, the hymns on grace. Mm -hmm. And with what Mark said, you know, accept God's grace for we're not perfect, and we're going to make mistakes. We're going to blow it. Uh, our people are going to make mistakes. So accept God's grace for us and for yourselves, and accept God's grace for other people and see what other people are going through because, you know, sometimes that person in your church that's giving you the biggest grief, there's something, there's something there under their skin that you're probably not the cause of. You're just 
you know, the situation is the symptom. And um, the nice thing about a large church is you can get away from some people. And in a smaller church, you're, you're there. You know, it's more like family. And uh, you, you live with them, you see everything. You know, and so that that is something that experiencing God's grace and forgiveness and patience and accepting each other's faults and flaws. You know, that's that is the heart. But then learning to speak with grace, speak with love, and to uh, be that gracious person. Learn to say thank you. Learn to be a kind person, and that is very very difficult some people, for some of us, but it can go a long way. And um, okay. some observations that I want to talk some more about how this fits into some of the situations where y'all at. Um, the focus on God's call, I think that's where like I said a while ago, when the times do get tough, when you are frustrated, when things just are not going well, when you know that God's called you to be there, that's where you can come back that you know that God's in control. He can see you through that, that you're where he wants you to be. Uh, focus on your people skills. The people skills aspect, I think, is what gets most of us more than anything else. There's times that, you know, we're tired, we're stressed, somebody says something to us, we say something, respond in a way that we don't really mean all the levels that it was taken or we fire off an email that was a little bit hotter than what we intended to be. Emails are wonderful, but they can be bad because they're in print and they last forever. And you don't see voice inflection. You don't see, right, you know, and it may be, you know, that one sentence in an email you meant just to say, yes, I meant to say, you know, yes, I, yes, we need to do blah, blah, blah. Well, they may interpret that as, you know, so um, that can be very difficult. Um, but it's the working on the people skills of learning how to deal with people. There's some great books out called, uh, you know, about dealing with different people, how to work with people you can't stand. Um, I remember one time situation I had one of, I was having really a lot of problems with my chairman of deacons, and I was I had gotten this book called "Don't Let the Jerk Get the Best of You." Mm -hmm. It's a really good book, and I was sitting eating it one night in the restaurant. One Wednesday night, and uh, I was sitting there reading that, and who walks into the restaurant <laughs> but the deacon and his wife, who was, I was reading the book to try to help to understand him. And so I was sort of trying to hide that so they didn't see the title, you know. It was really, it's like, whoops, you know, hey, look, I'm reading a book about you. But, uh, <laughs> it was, but that's a good, you know, don't let the jerks get the best of you. But how we approach people can make such a, and usually they're going through something too. And so that's part of the ministering to people and just loving people. And I think somebody said earlier this week, if, if you don't love people, you don't need to be in the ministry. And I've seen that over and over. I've seen people that work with children that can't stand children. I'm going like, why are you there? Why are you yelling at these kids? Why are you doing this? You know, so I think that is paramount uh, to what we're doing. Avoid bitterness. I think it's in Hebrews that says, do not let the root of bitterness dwell within you. It is so easy when we get into the ministry, into the church work. I worked with a pastor one time that called it learning the underbelly of the beast. You know, when you get involved in the church, you see all the things that are going on. And, 
you know, it's like you find out this goes on in the church. Your pastors are like that. They act like that. Deacons act like that. They, you know, elders can do that. They, that's sort of the context of what, you know, that's life. We're, we're people. But it's so easy to let that, those hurts build up. And life is not fair. That's what, you know, my children get tired, get tired of me saying that. It's like life is not fair. And I have to remind myself that sometimes, too, because, you know, there's a lot of things that we're doing that's not good, not right. But sometimes, you know, it is what it is is my new mantra that I'm telling myself right now with several things. You're like, okay, it is what it is. But we have to allow ourselves to, you know, to build a bridge and get over it. But that bitterness can dwell within us, and that bitterness will destroy you. And it doesn't, does not affect anybody else except you. And so um, that is something that you, you have to work on. Uh, the cultural awareness, and not only the church, or the church and the community. Communities have a culture, and a lot of our churches uh, are in changing communities, um, and some of the community, changing communities are changing. But then churches have a culture, and there are certain things that work well in different churches, from the way we dress to the way we do things to the preference of music style and worship to, you know, how we do. I supply a lot in a lot of different churches, and one of the things that I do is I have to ask what their dress is because I've gone into churches where I've worn a suit, you know, title that everybody else's, you know, in jeans and a polo, and I'm going like, I feel really overdressed, and so they're, or, you know, or vice versa, and so, you know, is it a church that, you know, expects all the women to wear dresses all the time, or, you know, it's, those, those kind of things can be very simple, but fitting into the culture, and there's sometimes as ministers, we've got to fit in to the culture of the of the, the church itself with just the, the just expectations of, of you know what's there. Mm-hmm. Visiting with a church in East Texas is <coughs> working for a, a full-time ministry music. It's a smaller church. But what they want, they want somebody, as they said, the search committee said, we want someone who'll come and who'll be part of our community, that'll go to the, bat, the football games on Friday night, that'll do this and do that and be here. It's like, make sure you, and that want anywhere in their perspectives mm-hmm. about anywhere in their, you know, the, the material that they're sending out to people. And it was like, if that's what you expect, you've got to tell them that's not unreasonable. Yeah. But you've got they to They want lots them. of touching points. They're not just, I'm going to dip in here on Sunday and not really. Exactly. You know, because it's a small community. Football is huge. Where, you know, hey, we're Texas. You know. Okay, so. you know, hey, we're Texas, <laughs> you know. But, and that's not unreasonable. You know, if you're doing, you know, ministry in church, that's, that's a great way. I mean, what better way to get to know your church people than to sit next to them at a, you know, high school football game and eat popcorn and, you know, drink Coke and scream and yell and holler and just talk. Yeah, hope your voice Yeah, yeah, hope your voice is back and, you know, you know, holler with good support and, you know. But I said, but you need to make sure you tell those people that you're interviewing that that's what you expect. And I said, and then if you're expecting them to be out every Thursday and Friday night until 10 o'clock at night, don't make them be in the office at 8 o'clock on Thursday and Friday mornings. I give, give them some break. It's like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. But, you know, those are the kind of cultural things that they hadn't even been aware of telling their staff member that they expected. And they may not know that they expected. You may have to read it in. You know, they may have a potluck dinner and expect you to bring the cheese 
you know, cheese garlic grits every time or something else because the person that used to make them died and they need to, you know, there's certain things like that that you just need to be aware of just in, you know, in the culture of the church and be aware of there. So, it, But it is, it's the, sometimes it's the unspoken things that get us more than the skills or anything else. And um, I put it here, backward thinking. And um, this is one thing that's really, I'm hearing more and more of, of people coming in and when they leave, the church is talking about, all they did was talk about, well, my last church and my other church, I remember when we used to do it, the way we used to do this was, and that's real hard for some of us when we've been in other situations or we've seen how it used to be. I have to fight that with myself, with some of the transitions that we've been in, with our thing of that constant, okay, it used to be like this, these were the glory days, this was when it used to be really, really good, but it's that backward thinking and it's not necessarily thinking old-fashioned, but it's looking back because at some point we've got to be able to look forward and this is where we're at now. And yeah, that, that part of us is in, you know, that's part of who we are that's made us part of where we're at, but yet we've got to move forward. That's so uh, they really don't want to hear everything about your last church and how great the last church was because they interpret that as they're not living up to your expectations. And uh, that's, uh, that's important. I need to make sure I set the alarm so that I don't yak too long with that. Um, we talked about improving your musical and technical skills. Um, hang on a second here. Here we go. Um, be a triple L, be a lifelong learner. Be flexible. I've been sharing my new... Uh, Beatitude, did I share it in the class you were in? Mm -hmm. that, you remember what it is? The blessed are the flexible, for they oh, shall not yeah. be bent out of shape. Yeah. And uh, that's one of those things to remember. Uh, you've got to be flexible. And blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. And uh, that can go with a lot of situations. Uh, be patient. And uh, tell one of my, I work with a senior adult choir at my church that I do that for fun. And I, I have to be gone so much on Sunday, I really can't take part of anything actively on Sunday mornings. And so I do that as that's sort of my, my ministry there. But I tell them, I said, thank you for being patient with me. Just remember, I'm patient with you. You know, and uh, wish you that. And be ready for new ministry opportunities because the way we've done things before, you know, sometimes we've got to explore new opportunities. And sometimes things do change. And the way we've done things may not be working anymore. So we need to look for new opportunities. And, you know, maybe we can start something new or maybe need to change some things. But uh, some other thoughts, and these are some quotes I've had from some people and some uh, things that said, Weber said, be careful not to overanalyze criticism. If left on its own, this can develop into paranoia. There's always somebody that's going to come bless us with... Uh, what God has told them that we need to change about ourselves or what we're doing. And take that with a grain of salt, listen to it, and if it's something that you need to take to heart, and there, you know, because we, we all need to change. You know, there's things about us that we, that we do need to take to heart, but don't dwell on that so that you become paranoid about, about it. Just take it, consider it, and then move on and change if you need to. I love this one. Don't be too happy when people come, and don't be too sad when people leave. 
And sometimes when you, you know, have somebody that comes in, particularly in a smaller situation, it's like, finally, there's somebody who's going to come in and, you know, do this, and you get in, plug them in, and then all of a sudden, you know, you find out, wow, they've just jumped from their last church into your church, <coughs> and you find out there's a pattern of that or whatever. Give people time to prove themselves, be excited when people come, <coughs> but, um, you know, people do come and leave. Particularly in smaller churches, you know, church, for some reason, God has different sized churches in the kingdom, and it's fine. And there's some churches that are smaller churches that are like healing little hospitals that come, that people come through. And I don't know why that really is, but it seems like that people come, they have their needs met, they're, they're ministered to, they become part of ministry, they grow, they serve, they they become healed, and then they move on to some other place of service. And it's just, you know, ministry. And you think, well, God, why are you, you know, bringing through? So it's, it's not, you know, smaller churches are not necessarily bad. You know, growth is not, you know, success. You know, there used to be an old Amway thing that they'd write the word success up on your, you know, the board, you know, what is success? And they'd draw dollar signs through all the S's, you know, that the success is making money. You know, it's like, no, it's not. You know, I can, you know, my mother used to say I could, I'd like to be, you know, success is not how much I could know what she used to say. Uh, but it can't buy happiness, but I sure could be, would enjoy being miserable and having a little bit of money to, <laughs> to, to you know, to try with. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, but, um, but there are times of transition with that. Uh, spend valuable time with God that is completely unrelated to ministry. Just spend time to hear from God for you, not just for your ministry. Uh, bad sentence structure. But um, the opportunities, you know, sometimes if, if the only time we're in the Word, the only time we're reading the Bible, the only time we're praying is getting ready for Sunday morning, that's the only time. That's better than nothing, but yet if the only time we're having conversations with God is when we're doing that. It's sort of like when you're a parent, if the only time you have conversations is about your children, there's a whole other level of your relationship that's gone unnurtured and unfed. So we have to have times that we're spending time with God totally unrelated to ministry. Um, be intentional about managing your time and your schedule. Take breaks and realize you're not a machine. And this is very, very difficult, especially when you're piling on or when you're adding so many things. You know, when you've got another job, you've got another career, you're at school full-time, you're trying to do this. And I said this in one of the classes yesterday. You know, it's like when children... If you're a school teacher and children see you at the grocery store, they're shocked to death because, you know, they think you live at school. Mm -hmm. You know, the people at church think you live at church, and they think that's all you should be doing. And so they sometimes don't realize the time restraints that you have, and so you have to lovingly help them. And sometimes it's drawing those limits around. That's good. And that's one of the things I try to talk with committees when I have a chance to visit with committees to help them realize because, I grew up in a home, and of course, in an era, or what, era, 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 it was an era, an era, <laughs> too, uh, when, you know, staff wives were expected to do everything, and my mother suffered from that, you know, she had to teach Sunday school, she had to do act teams, of our girls' missions activities, uh, you know, had to sing in the choir, had to do this, had to do that, had to be at church all the time, had to do that, and she physically and emotionally could not handle that, but yet that was required and expected of her. And uh, it affected our family very negatively just because of her health. 
and um, that is something that you know our churches I think are getting better about, and it's easier in a larger church because it's not quite so obvious if a staff person is not there or if a staff spouse, you know, because both both of y'all are the, the the wife, so you're a, you know unique challenge with that. But you you've got to set limits. Um, I have two cell phones, which I hate carrying two cell phones. But one of them is my work cell phone. If my wife says I can turn it off, and there's times that I have to because it, it had gotten to the point several years ago that I was having people call me at home late at night. You know, if it's an emergency, if it's a crisis, I don't mind. But you know, I, you know, it's it's you have to set limits because you you cannot, you, you know, you, you cannot go. Uh, every minister needs a ministry that's not their vocation. You need to have something that you're not getting paid to do. And that's some great community work. That's some great um, thing that's involved in, you know, just something that's not your job. Uh, be, be ready for shared ministry. I think we talked about that a while ago, the idea of involving more people and uh, getting uh, with people. When, time gets, when times get tough, remember your call. It all goes back to the call. And it takes time. It takes time to be tested. It takes time to be authenticated. And it takes time to be proven. Because especially in a smaller situation, if they've had a lot of staff members come through, they're going to wait to see how you're going to do. They're, you've got to prove yourself. There's that proving ground. They're going to see authenticated. Are you authentic? Do you really care? Are you really going to be here for a while? Or you, you know, what are you really going to do? And be proven. It just it takes time. And so some of the things that we're looking for and what we're building, it's not going to happen in a year, two years. It may happen three, four, five years. Uh, and some of these, that the eight, eight habits, um, touch on some of the other things there. Um, deal with sin and bitterness in your own life. Embrace for yourself. I, we, we talked about that. That's a real quick overview and all that. What have we, um, I want to talk about show you some children's choir resources that might help with that. The choral conducting, we're really talking some of the other choirs. Anything, what else What else have we not touched on that, or what questions have we raised? This is the... Good point. I, you know, you were saying... Uh, the revolving door ministry and you know I say that I do want to be called to a Baptist church at some point mm -hmm. um, but I look at this church as I can serve here I don't know 10 15 years till mm -hmm. I die mm -hmm. um, how do you deal with the fact though that I mean I'm, I'm not Methodist there are there are just theological issues. They're not huge. Um, but I'm not utterly at home in this church. Mm -hmm. And and how do I serve there and not always be looking elsewhere? That's that's a good question. Um, I think that's where knowing the call. If God still put a call that your your call is to be back in the you know, your your comfort is, you know, your family's Baptist. Mm -hmm. You know, that's your you know, that's your country, you know, and it's just like when you're, you know, you're overseas and you want to be, you know, Joe Merton was talking about not having ice in Germany, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you want to get back to, 
you know, you like duck toast, but you prefer to have them with ice, mm -hmm. you know. That, I think that as long as you can keep focused on being where you're at at the time and know that this is where God's placed you for right now, mm -hmm. that he's using you, and you're not having to go against any of your morals, your, you know, you know the yeah, things there. It's it, there's yeah. nothing that's vastly outside of that. It's just more like not having your ice and your back toes. Right. But your comfort zone is still over here. This mm -hmm. is where your heart is. Mm -hmm. Think that it's sort of like you know I talk to people always keep your options open because we never know. You know, it used to be with you know with our parents. It used to, you know you'd get a job. You kept that. They kept that job for forty years mm -hmm. and retired from that same job. It's not so much with our generation, with <laughs> Clint's generation. Uh, who knows? Like with our kids, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to have to be available yeah. because the trends and all that is likelihood their careers will change and they will have several different yeah. careers, and that's that's okay. That's what's going. So I think being able to keep, if you can keep your head here, staying where you're at. Still keeping the options open. And that's real nebulous to say, but I think it's I mean, the. I, I do feel called to this church. They they were so discouraged. I just was really. I didn't have to do a lot musically to make them really, really happy. Mm -hmm. um, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, like the pianist that they had didn't keep steady rhythm because she couldn't see well enough and uh, struggling. So I feel a great sense of call to help these people regain their voice and learn how yeah. to praise God. I, I'm, I'm perfectly happy there in that sense. And yeah. there, are, there are Wednesdays when, you know, right up until an hour before choir practice, I'm finishing schoolwork and I'm tired. I do this, but I always come back and choir pra practice. You know, this is definitely something I'm called to do because I have such joy. I think you know, and some of us are called. You know, I said, you know, my dream is always to get someplace and stay there forever, and I've never been able to do it. It seems like what God has given me is more the short term to go into a church a situation that's hurting, help them recover do what they need to do, help them do it through a transition and pass that baton off mm -hmm. to someone else. That's not what my plan was. That's not what I wanted to do, but that's what God has given me. So that's, right now, that may be your job is more of that transitional type person because of where you are right now in your career when mm -hmm. you're preparing for ministry, we're doing, that that may be that, that time so you can still focus on ministry in that context, but still be looking for, you know, God's cause. I think the, idea of the revolving door is like this one person I was talking to that's like, well, I'm here and I'm doing this, but yet I'm, I'd really, really rather be someplace else. And maybe trying to be stepped yeah. down. So I think that's, if you can be comfortable where you're at instead of, you know, I'm yeah. here, but, you know, I think that's, I think that's, that's where the difference of being comfortable where you're at, even though you're keeping options open mm -hmm. and looking as opposed to, you know, I'm here, but I really. Or the maybe, danger of feeling unappreciated all the can't be satisfied if you're yeah. constantly thinking, you know, they, yeah. they don't know what a good thing I have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's in our appreciation can't come from outside, you know, and that's yeah, so hard as musicians. Exactly. You know, we like the accolades. You know, that's mm -hmm. part of how God created us. But yet, 
we've got to become more secure in who we are as um, who we are in Christ and who we are as people, not necessarily what we do. And there's some people that are actually, they, there's, there's a term for this, but they say they're addicted to ministry. And it's like that, you know, codependent kind of a thing. And I served an interim in a church several years ago that was one of the most unhealthy churches I've ever been in. And it was a very, very unhealthy, codependent type of relationship where the music minister had created this environment where they had to have him and had, they couldn't do anything without him. They couldn't, you know, it was very, it was a very, very unhealthy relationship and both emotionally and spiritually. And it was it was it was difficult. It was a difficult place to serve, and um, it it was it was very challenging. But getting the people to realize that, you know, they did not have to have that minister's validation to do what they were doing, and they didn't have to have his permission to, to do what they were doing. So that's you know. So I think if you can be comfortable where you're at, even though you're still looking and, and preparing for options, I think can be a key. And, you know, in the smaller, the Bible vocational can be a little bit different than a full-time situation, too, because, you know, full-time, if you're paying, if you're, you know, paying a full salary and all that, that's a little bit different than if the church is, you know, and you need to keep some options open because some of the times a smaller church or sometimes the larger churches can't, uh, you know, financially, you know, in our world today, I mean, for all of us in career, no matter if it's in the church or whatever, you need to keep your skills available and your skills up because, you know, financially, we never know where our jobs are going to be. You know, well, I, and in the Methodist church, if they start having trouble financially and they don't pay their apportionment, yeah. uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's it's like the cooperative program. Baptist churches give to the cooperative program. But in the Methodist church, you actually get a bill. This is what your church owes okay. for this. And if you don't meet that, they start cutting things back. Like the church I'm at has struggled. They didn't reach their apportionment for six years before the year I came. And I, I don't, it's not my doing. The, the pastor that came in yeah. helped them reach their apportionment this year. Uh, but they've been on the list as, you know, we we probably need to shut this, close this church. That doesn't happen in Baptist life. Right. I mean, churches can die, but you don't have the bishop else doesn't come in and say, process. all right, this one's a goner. Um, wow. So I, I have to keep doors open in that sense, also. Yeah, you know, because I mean, that's you know, I've had positions cut just from budget from my staff. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where I have to avoid that vacuum sink over there because that still really tweaks me. One of them several years ago, you know, but um, that is um, that is that's reality, you know, and if you lose funding for something, you know, you've got to keep, anyway, so there's, I have zero budget for music, really? I, well, I say that, they did pay the CCLI yeah. license, licensing, but I paid for it the first year, just because wow. I knew I needed it, wow. um, but yeah, zero budget, I either pull something up from CCLI, or I go to um, they have well, lots of music on file, but so much of it is SACD. Um, and 
I haven't had the time to go through the whole library to see what all is there. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get this up on. There's um, a website that's on the bottom of the, the handout there, counterpointjesus.org. It talks about it in the other class. Talk about it again, and I'm trying to get the internet to come on. Uh, my air card's not even working here. I don't know why it's just like that. It's working. But um, it's a resource that we have in our office that provides you. It's geared for smaller churches. Everything's downloadable. And if your small church is running under 100, and you just call and tell her, and if like a finance is her issue, just talk to her, and she'll work with you, whatever you can afford to pay. I don't advertise that okay. wholesale, but um, we it's a resource for the churches. But it's music we've had it written. Uh, it's produced in Nashville. Um, it's some of it's more traditional. Some of it's Southern gospel. There's one Easter thing that was a Southern gospel because people came to my heart. That's very easy. Most normal choirs could do it really. And it do it. It's counterpointmusic.org. Since oh, Jesus just, came into my heart okay. is the musical for that. Uh, it's connect. But um, uh, and most normal choirs could do it. Decent job on it in two rehearsals. I mean, it's that easy. But you can download it. It has MP3 files, listening files so it's spread out the interface, all included in the cost. Wow. And like the, you can buy it as a musical or an anthem. The anthem is thirty dollars, and then you just print off what you need. The copies, you know, the choir part, mm -hmm. the accompaniment part, the foot tracks that you can sing along with if you need to. Mm -hmm. and that, but everything's there. Uh, there's two new Christmas music. We have six Christmas music in total. There's two new ones that just came out that are on there. Some of them have some little drama. Some of them have some narration. There's mm -hmm. a, a couple of patriotic uh, and some uh, non-seasonal things, but. Um, I finally have a, an accompanist a couple of months ago. Um, her husband's hiring. They wanted all along for me to hire an accompanist, even though they really didn't have the money for it. And I looked and looked and kept trying to get some of my fellow music students to take it on. Finally, I hired this girl who got her piano degree in Korea. She's from Korea. Really? So great. I mean, it's like um, suddenly we can do we can do things can do that we could not. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu/alleluia.